Ghost in the fucking, ghost in the fucking, ghost in the fucking machine. God damn it, really? Hey, everybody, welcome to I'm Okay, You're Okay, I'm Not Okay, You're Not Okay. With me, Bob Schneider, and your other host, Clint Wells. You're welcome. How are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you? Pretty good. I just had my cup of coffee, so I'm... Before that coffee... Dude, before that coffee gets into my blood sugar... Sex magic, yes. Dude, I'm I'm like a machine. The power's on, but there's not a lot of... Like, the circuits aren't. There's not a lot of humming in. There might be some humming, but there's not a lot of... It, as soon as that coffee gets into the blood sugar... It like I waken up like a flower. How about going to your record company and saying, "Hey, we've got the new record. It's really good. We're gonna call it Blood Sugar Sex Magic." Um, I got one word for you, which is this. Yeah, the nineties, dude. During the nineties, they were like, "Hey, here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna poop on a platter, and we're gonna digitize it and serve it up to the people. And guess what? They're gonna eat it up." The nineties. Dude, sounds wonderful. There was so much bad music that was made and served up to the public in the 90s. Unbelievable amount. That's kind of the story of all music. It is true. He right. He right. Look what I got today. What? This just came in the mail. Can you see what this is? Yeah. It's a Sony Walkman. This is a 1982. Is that the real deal? This is a real deal. 1982 Sony WM2 Walkman 2. (laughs) Nice. First one came out in 79, and uh, it's real. It's made of metal. All the little parts are mechanical. You can hear that, like, hitting stop and start. Can I tell you my Sony Walkman story? Please. 1982. The year was 1982. 1982, I'm on a ski trip. I'm living in Germany. We are going on a ski trip to the Alps. I'm in a van with a bunch of other i'm in 11th grade with a bunch of other 11th graders we're driving like i don't know if we're in the alps or next to the alps but everybody in the in the van is looking out of the van and they're like oh my god look at the beauty of the alps and i'm holding in my hand a sony walkman 2 kind of like the one you've got but it's silver yeah silver was the main the the most popular one and i'm looking at it and there's the most Amazing, beautiful, analog, stereo music being pumped into my ears from this tiny thing that's not much bigger than the cassette I put in it. Like right. basically almost the same size as the cassette. And I'm looking at it and I'm in a, I'm not at home. I'm not at home sitting next to a hi-fi thing plugged into a wall. I'm in a van in the future. Dude, I was in the fucking future. And I'm looking at it like, what the fuck? And they're like, oh, look at the Alps. And I'm like, y'all need to go fuck yourselves. Because I'm looking at the most amazing thing that man has ever created. And they were like, what? And they were like, we don't like you. And I'm like, okay. Because who does like me? Uh, D- Duran Duran or whoever, whatever was in the tape player. Dude, I was What listening- was in the tape player? Probably the cure, dude. Probably head on the door. What what yeah. year did that come out? I think that's like eighty one or eighty. Whatever it was, it was something like that. Yeah. Or Crawford or Zulook. Jean Michel Jarre. 
people people don't understand that. And it doesn't make us better or anything. It has nothing to do with that. But people who don't have that connection to music and what what you being able to take it with you meant for you, this kind of weird freedom that represented, you didn't have to be at home with your parents' big-ass 17,000-pound system. But you could just take your favorite album, mobile. Crazy worlds for people like me and you. The Alps can go fuck themselves. The Alps will always be there. Dude, fuck the Alps. Fuck nature. Fuck the outdoors. <laughs> fuck all of it. Dude, I went camping and had a great time, though. I really yeah. did have a good time out in nature. I know. Dude, I, I love... I say all that, and then at the same time, I love nature. But guess how, how much I love nature? So much that I never go check it out or do it. I know. I wonder if you're like me, and that, and I feel like such a dick, but it really is just true. Anytime someone's like, oh my God, come look at this sunset. Come look at the sunset. I'm always like, no. Yeah. I don't care what the sun... They all look the same. Yeah, I've seen it before. Oh, it's orangey? Oh, the sky's a little orangey? Hmm. And then here's what you have to do, because it's usually somebody that cares about you and is excited about it. So you have to play a pretend game Yeah, where you're like, oh, that's really cool. Now, and you, and, and you have to keep pretending and you're like, but there's a clock in your head going, tick tock, tick tock. How long? How long, How long? do I have to pretend <laughs> so I can get out of this situation without seeming to be a complete dick? But here's a question. Here's an interesting question, because... Here's the here's the unwritten part of the sentence. We go, that is really cool. Here's the parenthetical part that we don't say out loud. Right. For you. Oh, yeah, look at that. A shooting star. That is awesome. Here's what we're implying in our head. For you. Right. Not for, not for daddy. Right. But is that pretending? I feel like that's an extension of love. That is how you love people. You can't be who you're not for them. Right. You can't do that. And in fact... If they're asking that of you, they've got their sh- shit fucked up. But what you can do is you can just move into their world and you can just rent a little plot of land in their world and you can camp out there for a minute and try to have a good attitude. It's really in the attitude. Yeah. Which I don't do well with. Some Sometimes I actually really do a good job, but sometimes I'm pretty bad at that part. It just depends on how much I care. And basically the carometer yeah. for me goes up to about a... I think normal people, the carometer goes, let's say, zero to 10. And my carometer maxed out is maybe 3.8. Is that new? Or have you always had a, a low carometer no. threshold? No. When I was a kid, when I was a, when I was four and five years old, my carometer went up to 10. And then each year of my life, as my dreams and hopes <laughs> and ideas of the world were were slowly destroyed completely annihilated by the world and everyone in it my care meter just got less like i would look and go oh my care meter only goes up to 8.2 now oh now it only goes up to 6.1 oh i'm pegging out at 3.8 dude i imagine by the time i'm 70 i'll just look at it and there just be a broken off you know that whatever the thing is that moves that'll just be broken off and laying at the bottom of it and there'll be a light that just says, go fuck yourself. <laughs> that's why older people don't care about anything. They don't because care. that's what happened. No. That's what happened to them. It's what happens. Dude, your dreams, all your aspirations, all your hopes, all your cares. Dude, you're, oh, let me, oh, let me look forward to Christmas or my birthday to see what presents I'm getting. Guess how far in the rear view that is for me. Years. Yeah. I can't even tell you the last time I actually got anything 
from anybody. That's not true. I do actually, but not from my family, but I do occasionally get some nice stuff. I don't want to say you know, that. I'm going to, I'm going to send you a nice thing. I've just, I've made up my mind. I'm going to send you a nice thing. Oh, because, uh, yeah, you're saying people don't send you nice things. I'm going to send you a nice thing. Oh, and listen, all you out there in IOK land, which by the way, welcome to the show here. Nine minutes in. Oh yeah. Uh, you Hi. can always send this an email, Bob and Clint at gmail.com and you can send Bob a nice thing via email. It's a, it's a nice thing to be able to send someone a nice thing because you don't got to write a letter. You don't have to put it in a bottle. You don't have to throw it into the sea right. and hope that, that Poseidon and other gods of the ocean right. somehow get it to you. You can just clickety-clack it to us, and your thoughts and your head and your world will be in our faces real soon. Yeah, it's not one million years B.C., in case you're wondering. Not anymore. It was, but not anymore. Well, some people think that all all of time is happening right now. What are you sniffing? <laughs> <laughs> Do you look like a serial killer sniffing the glove of a child you that you me. murdered? No, this is one of the gloves that I wore camping, and it just smells like wood. Like okay. it's so like one of the shitty things about camping is everything you own that you took out there smells like firewood, right? But I kind of like that smell. It's cool when you're out there. It's not so cool when you bring it into the uh, to the adobe. Yeah, we've had a fire burn here for so long. I just want to go out and make a fire. You have a fire pit. Well, I have a circle in the ground that's got some rocks around it. <laughs> I have a circle in the ground with a pentagram on it and occasionally do a few ritualistic things there. Basically, what I've learned, because I've made a lot of fires in the last seven months, is that fire don't move. Unless there's like a heavy-duty wind, it ain't going to move very far. So it's, Fire don't move. The, the, uh, the rocks are really purely cosmetic. But uh, yeah, we've had a fire burn for a while, but I think it's, I don't think we have it now. And then I just wait for like zero wind. Because it's very disconcerting when you start seeing like little embers <laughs> floating off into the distance and like, oh, find a new home, ember. And yeah. then next thing you know, there's like 40,000 miles of of wildfires. I wish we lived in the same city because we have a pretty nice fire pit situation in the backyard and no one ever wants to jam with me out there. Not jam with instruments. Good God, I would never do that. But no one wants to... uh I mean, occasionally I'll have some buddies come over. We'll do a nice time out there. But Well, I'll tell you, if you're feeling any, again, if you're feeling any anxiety or any sort of like, I don't know, just any sort of like, I'm not feeling good, just make a fire and look into the fire and it triggers some part of our That's evolutionary primitive. brain where at, at a certain point in time, probably a million BC, there was a time when if you had a fire going, you were, you were getting all you were getting it, all the chicks. Well, it, for that little bit of time that the fire was going, you were cool. Like the animals aren't going to come eat you. You're warm. You know, you got. It's just for a moment you're fine. No, uh, that was one of the trade offs. Lighting a fire made you, you know, more conspicuous. It made it drew predators. That was no, a problem with the fire. No, dude. The, if if the, the wolf ain't gonna come to a fire, <laughs> wolf yeah, is wolf. like wolf. No, wolf see that fire. Wolf will go. Oh, I don't know what that is, and go away. <laughs> dude, if you had fire when you were a caveman, you may as well have been in Van Halen in 1980 because you were doing. I mean, all the all the other dudes can't make a fire. All the chicks are cold and scared. Their babies are cold and scared. If you're like, look, just give me a second, and you make a fire. You're having a good time, man, for a caveman. Do you, do you watch any of those shows like Alone where they have to just make a fire with some fucking string and a piece of wood? 
No, I don't. Dude, that shit is horrid. Like, it will people, surprise none of our listeners that I don't watch that. Dude, people will be like, oh, I can make a fire. And then they'll get out there and literally they'll spend 48 hours trying to fucking make a fire. <laughs> dude, that would be me. I would die trying to. That reminds me of a, a re- we've been getting a lot of Heine reviews because we've been giving the good people out there and I okay land the homework to leave nice. us the reviews about Heine's. Yeah. But there was one review that says, uh, this is from Pookie Stew. Says, excellent use of time. These two nutcases are not good company at all. They're the best. Love the content, the accents, Clint's stubborn grumpiness, and Bob's zen proselytizing. I live for the one great day when Clint finally buckles and just fucking watches the Great British Baking Show. (laughs) Nice. (sighs) Dude, my ex-wife is finally watching it. Finally. Yeah? Yeah. What does that mean for you two? Are you guys discovering some sort of bridge that didn't exist before? Oh no, we we've gotten along for we've we've never yeah, you, not gotten along. You guys get I, along great. We get along great. I love her husband. He's a great guy. Um, no, we're we're. I I love hanging out. I believe me. I lo- I like I love hanging out with them. They they might not love hanging out with me so much, but uh, no, it's great. Uh, every it's one of those things where everything worked out great. Like she ended up with the guy that she was supposed to end up with. I ended up with who I was supposed to end up with, and it worked out for the all for the best now it sucked dude getting a divorce was the worst like my least favorite thing uh, in my life i've i sh- i have also done that and i agree it was it was brutal i didn't have a kid though to deal with yeah when you see when you have a kid and you get a divorce you i don't think people understand that once you have a kid with somebody you are going to have a relationship with them yeah. forever so even if you get a divorce it's like you're still married but you none of the good stuff and all the bad stuff well i feel like yeah i, I agree it's you're chained to that person at least for however long till the kid becomes an adult but i do think that might be if you've got two good people in in the process which your ex-wife who i know is a good person you're a good person in my case when you don't have anything like that to be a good person for it can get real ugly like my situation my ex-wife was very unhappy that I was wanting to get divorced. Yeah. And it was sort of like, well, I'm going to make your life as miserable as possible. Because she didn't have to think about a kid. You know, like we had a dog, we had a house. Right. So we had and we had friends. So we had to untangle all that. And it was like she scorched it all to the earth before it was said and done. But, you know, if you got a kid, you like you have to be more you know, you have to think of the kid first, which is you know, what you're supposed to do as a parent. It's still a weird situation when you're like trying to divvy up your stuff. It's like you're somebody's like shaking you down or something. It's a weird scene. Yeah. Well, I was living on a friend's couch trying to figure out what I was doing. I was still paying for the house and I was still paying for half of the bills. Right. And, but I was keeping my shit there and just the situation was very volatile every day. A kind of new thing might pop up. And uh, my ex-wife called me one day and said, hey, we'd agree. She'd agree to let me keep my stuff there until I found a place. But I was trying to save up money to get an apartment, all this stuff. I mean, I was like 24 years old, 25. She called me one day and said, hey, by the way, I've changed my mind. All your shit's on the porch if you want it. It'll be <laughs> on the porch until it blows away into hell or whatever. Holy fuck. <laughs> like, I'm like, wow. So I had to go there. I had to get some of my friends a truck, find a place to put it. And she just stood on the porch and watched me take it all away, making me feel real uncomfortable. (laughs) Dude, hell hath no fury, man. Dude, it is so true. A a guy who didn't like another guy, in my opinion, whatever, I don't want to stereotype. There's exceptions to all this. 
But even dudes who don't get along, a dude would be like, hey, let me help you get that desk in the truck. Like a dude would have like helped you move. I had a, a upright piano that was kind of on my own to move. A dude wouldn't just stand there and drink a coffee and just silently watch you take all your shit off the porch. Or maybe he would. I would offer to help the guy, even if I didn't like him. Well, there's just that thing where you just want to, when you're feeling that kind of pain and bitterness, you just want to inflict it on the other person. And however you can do that, with the from the smallest thing to the biggest thing, you'll just like, you know, whatever you can do. Like, it's it's just such a horrible feeling. But we've talked about this before. It's like one of the only nice things about getting older and having been on the merry-go-round a little bit is you have those kinds of experiences and you're like, oh, yeah, you move through it. You move through it and it's almost as bad as you can imagine. But then you wake up and every day gets a little better. And before you know it, you don't even care anymore. Right. That's powerful information. It's almost like magic. Right. Knowing that how you're feeling will change will get you through the darkest times. Now, it still sucks, though, dude. Oh, yeah. When you're feeling that way, you're like... Dude, I wrote that song, I, that song 2002 in 1998 when I was just convinced I'd found like the love of my life. And uh, she was like, yeah, no, you're not it. This other guy's it. And I was just like, God damn it. And I knew I was going to feel better by 2002. Four years <laughs> later, I wouldn't be thinking about it. Right. So I wrote that song. And it, it was a great song. So I'm, I'm glad I had that painful experience. So I could write that song, but God damn it. Yeah. I've, I've, I've had moments where things were so bad and felt so dark. And I've thought to myself exactly what you're saying. I didn't do four years, but I've thought, you know what? A year from now, something will have happened with this situation that I'm very worried and upset about good or bad. Right. It will have happened. And I will be one year on the other side of it. And that did comfort me. It's like, well, then, then you almost in a strange performance art way or something lean into it. Then you're like, all right, let's let it all unfold. I'm here for all of it. Right. Can't escape it. Nothing you can do about it. Can't change it. Yeah. You may as well put the fucking 3D glasses on and get some popcorn. Yeah. Or do black tar heroin. Yeah. <laughs> or numb out. <laughs> or, you're right. What did you What did you say in a previous episode? Put you're on right. the patches, fentanyl patches. Dude, fentanyl patches. Dude, I need to get some fentanyl patches in case shit goes bad. That's my go-to for like if if I had to like leave, if I had to take a quick trip off the earth forever, I feel like fentanyl patches is the way to go. You just fent fentanyl on. Get all fentanyl fent, fent it up. <laughs> fentanyl up, baby. Dude, you just put them all over your body and just have a nice glass of Tea. go night night oh yeah go night night for go bye bye night night for all time hey do have we talked about dark on here yeah we've talked about dark damn you it. said it's one of the best tv shows ever have you watched it yet no i haven't really been watching any movies or or shows i'm kind of at a low point with that are you just are you just listening to heavy metal music um i am listening to a lot of music yeah listening to a lot of music what's your what's your go-to right now Van I know Halen? my go-to is is Van Halen. You're just getting back into the Eddie Van Halen groove. I'm just having fun. I mean, I I had some of the deeper cuts, but I was mainly, you know, with Van Halen, they're a hits band. There's not that much gold, you know, in the deep cuts, but there is some. So I've been having fun getting into the album cuts. And just, I read uh, Sammy Hagar's biography. Ooh, oh my God, dude. Ooh, that what, was rough. What was that, Dad? What was he doing? 
Well, I mean, he was having a good time in Van Halen. That's not the problem. The problem is not so smart. Like the writing well, you know, is you atrocious. Know, I don't know if you know this about Sammy or not. It's one of yeah. the few, one of the few things I gleaned. Uh, 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 just I'd heard, I'd heard, and then I guess he he told me about it too. Mm-hmm. Um, is the fact that he's unable to drive fifty five. Yeah, well, he let a lot of people know that in the early eighties. He uh, he put out a public service announcement. He's going through like a school zone. Like there's kids crossing the street, right? And he's unable to keep that shit below fifty five. And and it's nice of him to let us know. Like he could have just not let us know and just gone what eighty or a hundred. Well, how do you how do you not lock that guy up and take away his license and say, hey, dude, you're not driving anymore? I guess they might. They probably did. I guess at some point after he'd killed a few kids at a crosswalk. I don't think you can lock someone up who physically can't obey the law. It's one thing to choose not to obey the law. Then right. you're what's called colloquially a criminal. But if you can't obey the law, right? Yeah. I mean, I think that's the time for mercy when it you know as a but society. What if you can't not kill people? Like, what if you're like, I can't kill, not kill people. And like you wrote a song about it, like you'd have to lock that person up. Right? If the song is as big as that song, then no, then we let him go too. We let him live on Cabo in Cabo Wabo with Sammy. They all live together and they all go to the same the bar. Serial killer and Sammy, <laughs> both of them unable to do stuff that normal people can do. Here's easily. the thing, man. He just sounds like a braggadocious douchebag. He writes very unwell and grossly about his touring exploits, like. A lot of people don't know that David Lee Roth is incredibly intelligent. He came from a wealthy family, super well-read, erudite, smart, read a lot of classics, knows how to tell a story, knows how to write a book. So his book will make you cry. His book is fascinating, hilarious, wow, touching. He doesn't come across that way. No. It, 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 dude, Diamond Dave is all a persona. He's incredibly intelligent. Oh, wow. And Go, go, go check out, just if you're bored, I hate when people do this to me, but if you're bored and you want to check it out, check out just some of his interviews. Um, super smart dude. All right. I'm so gonna... you just contrast that with Sammy and it's like, uh, I, I like Sammy in interviews. He seems like a lot of fun, but he just does not seem very cool or smart. How about just becoming a billionaire drug dealer? Is he, is that what he is? Or are you yeah, pivoting to that, another? No, that Cabo Wabo, uh, tequila he, he, he made oh. and then sold it. So has sold the company for, I'm making this up a billion dollars, but it, it was a lot. I bet you if I looked it up, it'd be hundreds of millions of dollars that he made off that. I wouldn't call that a drug dealer. Dude, guess what alcohol is? It's a drug. Yeah, but it's legal. I don't call the well. guy I don't call the guy who works at the local liquor store a drug dealer. Well, so I mean, morphine's legal. There's lots of legal drugs. I mean, you can't you can't buy it without a prescription. You're talking about non-prescription drugs like alcohol. And right. ca- and caffeine and what else we got? Nicotine. nicotine, nicotine, baby. Well, yeah, he made a lot of money off tequila. He made a lot of money off that. Re- He's a smart dude when it comes to business. He made a lot of good business decisions. Right. Another thing that's kind of gross about getting into the Van Halen saga is that it's kind of an ugly story. It's an ugly story of rock stars bitching at each other, being unable to uh, find common ground unable to celebrate the very music they're making and how it brings people together. Just a lot of ugly, he said, she, she said shit. So that's been interesting. So I don't know if you do this, but if I'm reading a book about a band 
I'm just listening to all the records that I'm reading about, just giving it some, con- giving it a soundtrack. It's fun. I don't think people understand what being in a band is. Being in a band, I'm going to leave the A out. Being in band is mm-hmm. basically like being married to somebody. But now it's not, there's not like a long engagement. There's not like getting to know the person process. There's just like a, oh, you play bass, I play guitar, and this guy plays drums. Now we're in a band. Next thing you know, you're on the road, you're living together, you're spending all your time together, and you're like, I hate these people. Oh, right. we're signed to a con. Oh, we've got a giant hit. Oh, we've got to be on the road for 250 days out of the year. I hate these people. Nobody understands that dynamic. It's so true. Even in high school, my high school band, there was a kid in school that the other guys in my band, we hated him. We did not talk to him at school. In fact, we probably wanted to beat him up at school. Right. It wasn't really our style, but if he was getting beat up, we would walk on by. We let him join our band because he was the only guy in school that had a double kick drum. Right. So he could play the double kick drum part to the song One by Metallica. So guess what? In the band. Yeah. And when we were rehearsing and practicing and playing gigs, no problem. We're a band. We all slide down the fire pole together. We all live together. We all live in the fucking Ghostbusters firehouse. Anytime we were not holding our instruments, go fuck yourself. Well, here's the deal that, I, again, these are all things. These, here's what people are getting at the uh, I'm okay, you're okay Institute of Music Technology. They're getting the inside fucking scoop, dude. They are getting the scoop. It's valuable. If you're not listening to this podcast, you're not getting this scoop, I don't know what you're getting, but you're not getting the scoop. Anyways, here's the scoop. You might be getting scooped, but you're not getting the scoop. Dude, zip. (laughs) All right. So here's the deal. If you're in a band, there's always an asshole in the band. Now, if you don't know who the asshole is, guess who the the asshole asshole is. Yeah. Yeah. You. You got to know who the, like... Every band, you got you better know who the asshole is. In the, in your band, it was the guy with the double kick. Well, actually, he was kind of a nice guy. I think we were the assholes because we were judgmental and shitty. But that's what you do in your kids. You're right. When you're an adult, it's it should be different. But even think about what I do. I mean, you're at a point, you can have anyone that you really want to be around around you. Right. A guy like me, when I met you, and somehow we started playing music together, which seems weirder and weirder to me the more I think about it. When I showed up at your house for that first tour, the bus is on its way. I had to just meet all those people for the first time. I had no choice over who I'm around, and, and you know, right. hopefully we'd get along and be be buddies and want to walk around Chicago together. But that's not guaranteed. Yeah, but here's the thing: I actually met you. Like, I first of all, I yeah. saw you play with Griffin House, so I loved the way you played, and then I met you. And here's I can usually look at a person. And then talk to them for less than four or five seconds and kind of know who they are. I know I knew 80% about you in the first five seconds. And after talking to you for 10 minutes or however long we talked, probably not a long time, I was like, oh, this guy'd be cool to tour with. And then then you showed up, but you don't know for sure. Like you because people can show up. And I remember you showed up and uh you're great. You're you're one of the best guitar players in the world, and you're one of the best hangs in the world. But again, we don't know that. I just met you once, talked to you for a second, got your number. Now you're here, and you show up. I forget where the first gig was, but then you were like, we're at Soundcheck, and you're like pounding beers at Soundcheck. <laughs> yeah. And then me and 
Conrad look at each other and go, hmm, maybe, maybe this Whoopsie. guy is like some kind of a demon or something. But then you turn to it, it was great. And you, and it, there was no worries, but that you just never know what you're going to get. Yeah. Cause I know guys, I, I do know guys who are great players and they get a little bit of that fire water in them. And they turn into the demon. They turn into people that you just don't want to be around. You're not one of those people, but there are people like that that you can't tour with. No, I've I've been there, and it doesn't matter how good they are if that. No, because most of the gig is when you're not on stage. So if you can't crack, the, if you can't crack yeah. that code, bye bye. The whole gig is the hang. The, the, yeah. every, anybody can play the music. I mean, not anybody can play it exactly or as good as some but other But anyone people. at the level of even being in the conversation can already play it. That's not the problem. Right. Then it's just who who can do it, who's the best hang. Well, here's the deal. We got to go. But you can write in bobandclinagmo.com. You can leave us the review. All reviews must now contain something about a hiney. Your hiney, Bob's hiney. Your dog's hiney, my hiney, or all of our hineys. It will really make us laugh and smile if you include the word hiney in your review. We have a Patreon. I'm sure you've heard of it. Everyone's got one now. It's a way for you to support people like me and Bob who make this shit for you every week. You can do that at Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash the letters I-O-K. Guess what you'll get if you join our Patreon? The password to the secret weekly. Where we'll go now. Shh. Don't tell anybody. Okay. Bark twice if you're in Milwaukee. Arf, arf. 